0: Let me guess, you signed up for every free lead magnet and binged on every marketing YouTube video and thought, what am I missing? Why isn't my business exploding like that? Well, I can tell you, you're not alone. Whether you're just getting started or have an established business, entrepreneurship can be really lonely. But it doesn't have to be. Overcoming your fear of launching or building your personal brand or figuring out how to scale, it shouldn't be holding you back. It should be empowering you. On this podcast, we're gonna deep dive into the mechanics of what it takes to build your brand make your mark and stake your claim in the digital marketing space. I'll be chatting with people from all walks of life and stages in their careers. I will be getting inspiration from real experts who will share their actual strategies and techniques to grow loyal and raving followings and sell more stuff. This is entrepreneurship from people who are already there making it happen. My name is Jeff Mendelssohn. Join me and welcome to the One Big Tip Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip podcast. And today I am really excited to have with me Mike C-Rock Mike is the CEO of People Building Inc. and the powerhouse behind the What Are You Made Of movement. He is a performance coach, author, dynamic public speaker, visionary, and thought leader. And to top all that off, he has been featured by Yahoo Finance as one of the top business leaders to follow in 2020 and is on a mission to build people. C-Rock, welcome to the show.
1: What's up, Jeff? Thanks for having me, man. I always start all interviews that I go on uh, you know, with gratitude. You know, I'm always very thankful, and, and I just want to let you know that, that I'm thankful for the opportunity to share with you and your audience, and I'm humbled by the opportunity as well. So thank you. Thank you so much, man. It really means a lot to me. Can you please
0: tell everyone a little bit more about your background, how you got to where you are, and how you became so amazing?
1: Well, well, thank you. You're amazing too, Jeff. Um, No, you know, I'm a people builder at heart. That's why I named the company People Building because you know I came from a broken home growing up uh, around a lot of broken people, broken mindsets, and I think all of us do, you know, really. But I was very observant as a kid and. You know, I came from a broken home. I don't remember my parents together. And at the end of the day, I was living with my dad for three years from eight to 11, dealing with a lot of emotional and psychological abuse. A lot of conflict was going on with child support, custody, all the stuff that you go through when families don't work out. And I thought that was an ordinary life, Jeff. I didn't know any different. You know, I'd see on TV that families would be married still and the kids would still be there. and, And that just was ordinary to me where I was coming from. I thought that was a fantasy world on TV. So, but you know, during that time, I realized that I wasn't in a good environment. I need to get out of there. And this is something that lit a fire in me when I decided to ask my mom to file court papers to get custody back of me at 11 years old. My dad got served one day when I came home from school, he had these papers in his hand. Now I was already walking on eggshells in this house as it was anyway, and I felt really nervous about this, this event getting ready to take place. Well, when I came home, he said, Hey, go to your room. And I sat on my bed for about five minutes probably, but it felt like five hours. And I was waiting for my hero to come back into that room. Um, my dad was a Mason. He had his own masonry business. That's why the bricks are back here. Laid brick and block poured concrete, very hard worker, big forearms, rough hands. If you shake his hand, you know, he was, you know, he was into something hardworking and he always carried a wad of hundred dollar bills around in his pocket i always looked up to him for that it had a rubber band around it and he used to flash it and show it off and i like that man i thought it was cool you know so well when he went to open the envelope and said hey it says here you want to move back with your mom you know your mom they don't have any money there they're they're they are poor they don't have what you have here you have everything you need why would you want to leave here well, i'm sure he was hurt despite the things that were going on maybe he was blind too but uh I confirmed at that moment that I, I wanted to leave, and I remember my mom telling me that stick to your guns. If I do this, you got to stick to your guns. You can't be flip-flopping because Mikey, when they called me Mikey back in the day. When you uh, believe in something, there are going to be people that try to talk you out of it to match their agenda or to justify their position in life. So always remember, if you believe in something and you know it's the right thing, it's good, stick to your guns. So I did that. And at that moment, when I confirmed that, he takes his wide of $100 bills out that he always had and he peels one off, crumples it up and throws it at me and says, here, you're going to need this when you're living on the streets with your mother then. You know, I, I felt like at that moment, like the towel was thrown in on me, but I remember my mom saying, stick to your guns." So that stubbornness also kicked in. And you know, being stubborn is not the wrong thing when it's on the right thing. You know, a lot of people have a negative connotation when it comes to stubbornness. And I was ca- called stubborn my whole life. And I wear that with a badge. And I'm honored to be called stubborn nowadays because I know I'm stubborn on the right things. Now, also, my mom used to tell me at a young age that I was going to be influential and I was going to be a leader. Even before I knew what that meant, I just remember her always telling me that. And, you know, I knew that coming out of this, I would figure some way out to be able to help other people with it. You know, since it was an ordinary situation, I figured there was other people that had been given up on. So I would do everything I could to be a role model. That's the only way I knew how to do it, be a leader at that point was – do everything I could possibly do to show people that you could come out of this situation and be great. And so at 11 years old, 30 some years ago, that happened. I won't tell you the exact years. Yeah, you don't want to date yourself now, do you? Yeah, I don't want to date myself. But for 30 some years, I've been driving off of that. And until about two, or three years ago, I started to realize wait a minute, I need to assess this. This is something, what am I driving off of? Like, what's driving me? And I found out that that's what it was. And so I came up with the concept of turning setbacks letdowns, difficulties, even people, negative people into rocket fuel for your future. And Once you become aware of this concept, your life's never the same because in life when you set a goal or you have a dream, ideal life in your mind, the only thing stopping you, it's not the encouraging people, it's not the wins and successes, it's all that other toxic rocket fuel. And If you take rocket fuel in its form and try to drink it, smell it, it's bad for you, it's toxic and just like all this stuff is toxic until you convert it. So by removing all the things that can stop you and then using it as fuel, you become unstoppable and indestructible. And that's what I'm all about, Jeff.
0: Wow. What an amazing story. You know, as you were telling it, I actually have a very similar, a very similar story. My parents also divorced when I was like nine or 10 and it was always tense in the house. And I remember always, you know, flip-flopping between both houses, you know, growing up and as a teenager and basically, you know, growing up in Milwaukee, I couldn't wait to get out of Dodge. Right. And then when I turned 18, I was like, you know, something, that's it. I went to, you know, I went traveling for a little bit. I ended up uh, settling in Miami and haven't really turned back. And I love Miami. Yeah. You know, that whole part that you were saying about turning the, you know, the toxic parts of your life into rocket fuel. Right. Basically, what you're talking about there is using that to drive you like, don't like, definitely don't pity yourself. Definitely don't. I grew up in a crappy house. So, you know, therefore I can't. It's like, no, like. Dude, I, I, you know, if I survive that, I could survive anything. Exactly. Right. Let's just take this podcast. I mentioned this a couple of times, but I don't think that it resonates with enough people. I was the kid that stuttered in high school. Right. And I'm sure the speech therapists that are listening, you know, would be like, oh yeah, I can hear his breathing techniques and I can hear, how, you know, I can hear how they trained him not, you know, not to stutter anymore. You know, but it's like, who is this guy who stuttered all of a sudden doing presentations and running a podcast now? Right. And, you know, it's things like that, that you're like, wow, you know, if you can really overcome that, you know, you can overcome anything, you know? And, you know, this is
1: something that I just don't practice uh, or just don't preach. I practice it. You know, I have practiced it from a young age. And even to this day, to th- today, this morning, as we're recording this, I've dealt with a scenario that I had to put this in place and also make sure my team, by the way, I have a mortgage company that I run a division for 40 employees, Nations Lending out of the Mid Atlantic in Miami. And uh, you know, I had to make sure my team was operating on rocket fuel concept, as t- you know, as well this morning. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But I just wanted to let you know that this is something that you have to implement in your life. And Once you do, man, you don't. There's no going back. You know something? Let's talk about that because that's part of your one big tip.
0: How do you take a toxic? Or a really crappy situation that you've experienced and turn that into something, you know, that's going to drive you and not only going to drive you, but it's going to, but it's going to propel you to unimaginable successes, right? Because I think that's one of the, you know, one of the bigger points here. Is that not only can you achieve more once you overcome those toxic situations, but if you get out of your own way, you can achieve so much more. Like, I think the biggest thing for me, especially when I got fired from my last job, was how the hell am I going to pay my mortgage? How the hell am I going to pay my, uh, you know, my, uh, how, how am I going to kick my $5 a day coffee habit? Right. And sure enough, it happened, right? And not only did it happen, it's like a I'm still here, right? And B, it's like I have had so much, you know, so much success. And it's, you know, I'm not just talking about monetary stuff, you know, just the, uh, you know, the freedom to be my own boss, the freedom to travel, work from anywhere, you know. And I've been able to, I've been able to scratch off a lot of places over these, especially over the past ten years, you know, off of my bucket list. And all of that comes from this, this uh, drive to take out the toxic relationships and the toxic situations from my life and use it as the fuel to apply it to newer and better
1: things. How do you do that? How do you train your people to make that happen? First of all, you have to understand the concept and you have to understand, first of all, that you cannot figure this concept out when you're in an adversity, because while you're in an adversity, the closer in proximity you are into some kind of setback or negative toxic thing the less hope you have and the less light at the end of the tunnel, or if any light shows up while you're close to the adversity. So this is a proactive practice. You need to prepare. And you do that by taking care of yourself, taking care of your body and mind, but also understanding that you have to be clear on the ideal life that you want. If you're not clear on the ideal life that you want, you have no idea really if you're dealing with a setback because you're roaming through life and just going reactive mode and handling whatever happens your way. So I'm very intentional And I teach people to be very intentional and clear with the ideal life that they want. Once you have that, then it's very simple. Anything that comes like that goes towards your ideal life, you do. And anything that goes away from it, you don't do. And then the things that get in your way, which we call obstacles, you remove them by converting them. And so it's just a concept, understanding concept, and then practicing it. And it's like a muscle, you work it. You start with something small, you know, like if you burn a food that you're cooking – Okay, well, what am I going to do now? Am I going to sit here and mope, get pissed off? You know, little things like that first, and then see what you can do. What opportunity can come from this? All right, well, I learned a lesson, one. And then number two, maybe I'm going to eat something different. Maybe what I was cooking wasn't as healthy. Whatever it is, you start with the small stuff. The other exercise that we do is we look back over our lives, and we audit our life on the setbacks and bad things that happened. On a piece of paper on the left side, we write down everything bad that happened. On the right side, next to those things, we say, what opportunity came from these things? And I have yet, doing this exercise myself and coaching, I have yet to find someone that didn't see some kind of opportunity that came out of a setback. So once you see that on paper, you're like, oh, well, if that's the case, why would I wait till later on to analyze setbacks? Why don't I realize I'm going to setback right away and immediately start looking for the opportunity? And uh, like I said, I practice this and, and today, it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy but you got to work that muscle. And you got to remember that C-Rock said, oh, this is a setback. Okay. What am I supposed to do now? And remember, start looking for the opportunity immediately.
0: You know, I think the most poignant example in my life would be when I started to get a divorce, right? That was about eight years ago. And at first I was like, uh, you know, I failed as a dad, I failed as a husband. And I was like, you know, well, this sucks, you know, because I got two kids at home. And how am I going to do this? How am I going to be able to support, you know, support them and child support and all that? And you know, what happened was, you know, looking back and of course, you know, people tried to tell me, oh yeah, you know, you're going to get over this, you're going to get over that. And I just, I didn't have time for any of that, Right. But what happened was, you know, just by being a 50% dad, where like all of a sudden I didn't have the responsibility to be on 24 seven all the time, you know, I was able to take that time and really start working on my daughter's father. Right. And what that did is that it really, it, it allowed me to expand in so many different ways. Now, not only, you know, for my health, because, you know, like, you know, travel therapy is a thing. Right. But more to the point, I employ a lot of people, you know, outside the U.S. And the biggest thing for me is I made it my goal to meet and break bread with everyone on my team. Right. So I flew to Argentina. I flew to Israel. I flew to, you know, I I went to Uruguay. I went to several places in Europe and I met with these people you know, in person, had coffee with them, had lunch with them. Right. And what happens is that it really solidifies the relationship, right? Because I was able to then take that part of the relationship. Now I'm not this posted stamp, you know, three inch square on a screen. I'm a living, breathing human being and I bought them lunch. Right. And that's it. Th- these people are still with me to this day. You know, it's huge because, you know, it's like, these are people that I can now call upon. And like, I get priority treatment with some of these development groups, you know, that I'm working with, you know, even though I may not be their biggest clients, you know, I was the one that took the time to fly down to Santa Fe, Argentina, which, you know, go look it up. It's not a big town. You know, when I go over there and they're like, what the hell is this gringo doing down here? Right, and the, what I'm doing is that I'm going to meet my team. I want to see, you know, I want to see who is who is supporting me and making me look great with my clients back here in the U.S. Right, and I think that you can you can implement a lot of what you're talking about here with, uh, you know, taking a negative and trying to find the opportunity. Right, you know, what is the opportunity? Um, I want to expand on this uh, on this concept just a little bit more, though. How do you know? If the opportunity that you are identifying from the toxic situation that you're running from or that you're dealing with, how do you know that that is the right opportunity as opposed to like you just made another bad decision? I mean, the example that's coming to mind for me is, uh, let's say, for example, you know, like you get a divorce and then you decide, well, you know something, I'm going to go live in Thailand. Right. That was one of my options, by the way. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. Um, for me, I was like, well, if I go live in Thailand, I'll save a boatload of money because then I'll be paying, you know, $500 a month for a house as opposed to $2,000 a month for a house over here. Right. But the backside of that is, well, now I'm going to be a Skype dad and my kids are never going to see me again. Right. Right. So how do you identify or gauge how good the opportunity that you're trying to create for yourself is when looking back against the toxic situation that you're trying to avoid.
1: So remember, we have to have a clear picture. And I, when I say clear, I'm talking about granular picture of the ideal life you want to live. You have to take the time to do this. Most people don't take the time to do it. For Crazy to me, they're like, oh, that take too, too much time. We're talking about your life here. So if you have a clear picture, every remember, every thought, word, and action after that is either going towards that ideal life or away from it. It's very, very important to understand that. Now, then we have what we call intentions versus counter-intentions. Thailand, wow, that'd be cool to live in. $500 compared to that. The weather's probably cool or great and different people, different culture. But my counter-intention would be kids. So then what you do is you just have to weigh it and figure out where's it fit in my ideal life. And you know, you're not going to make the right decisions all the time. And that's okay. Who cares? You just make the best one at that moment. And then from there, it's better than sitting and stewing in victimhood and being paralyzed by a setback. The worst thing that somebody can do is sit there and wonder why something's happening to them and while it's going on and try to figure out like the, the why and, and, and what happened while the fire's still burning. You need to put the fire out. Don't be a victim. And, and then go, yeah, you got to take action. Take action immediately. And then by the time you've taken action in any setback or anything, time is going by, And then you're not stuck in that proximity to that setback anymore so that you still – you have hope now. But if you sit still in proximity to the uh, adversity, there's no hope. There's no light. So I'm all about moving, action, moving, moving, do something. Even if it's not the right thing, do something. And obviously you want to choose something that would lead towards towards your ideal life. But, man, you sit there in proximity to an adversity, man. It's the most miserable place to be, and a lot of people don't make it out.
0: I agree with you 100%. Thank you so much for sharing that. C-Rock, can you please let everyone know how they can learn more about your business, how they can learn more about your book that you have coming out, and how they can reach out to you directly if they'd like to learn more?
1: Yeah, there's a book called Rocket Fuel that I wrote. Uh, it came out in February of 2021. And you know you can get that on Mike C-Rock with no K, com forward slash book. And if you go on there, you you can see it. Grant Cardone, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Grant Cardone, the 10X guy he wrote the forward for my book. I'm a mentor of, of grants. He gave me his, his backing on the concept, which really matches up well with the 10 X concept. If you don't, are not familiar with the 10 X concept, the 10 X rules, another great book to read, but uh, otherwise the best place on LinkedIn and Instagram, find me on Instagram, LinkedIn. Mikey C rock is on Instagram. I love engaging with people in the direct messages. Even if I'm not following you and you send me a direct message, it goes into a different like mailbox. I still answer those and talk to people. And so reach out to me there. And if you have any questions or if I, you're looking for mentorship or whatever the case is, I'm here for you. Amazing stuff. Mike, thank you so much
0: for joining me today. This has been a very enlightening discussion. I appreciate you being so open and raw. You know, it's a, it's very refreshing, you know, especially when guys do it, thank you. you know, because, you know, it, it, yeah. thank you, Jeff. you know, it's just really great to compare those experiences. And, you know, a lot of what you talked about today really resonated with me. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate you having me,
1: man.